Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Megan Wright. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Grain Talk, we will speak with Marty Vermeer, Grain Farmers of Ontario's senior agronomist, about the planting season and a few crop management updates. We will also get an update from Crosby Devitt, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario. First, a Grain Talk news update. Grain Farmers of Ontario is urging the Canadian government to expand agricultural support and include grain farmers in light of additional support for farmers in competing markets. Once again, farmers in the U.S., specifically grain farmers, are receiving needed support from their government in light of COVID-19 issues and income loss that is out of their control. This continued investment in farmers gives the U.S. market the ability to withstand some of the lowest prices for grain in the last decade and places Ontario grain farmers in a disadvantaged state competitively. Ontario grain farmers have repeatedly not only asked government to show support through updated assurance and insurance programs, but also have invested in research and produced program templates that could be implemented quickly. These asks continue to be met with stall tactics, platitudes, and loan programs, which farmers cannot afford with farm debt already on the rise. Grain Farmers of Ontario has created an awareness campaign targeted to the federal government in order to prompt action on improvements to agri-stability and agri-invest. You can learn more at grainfarmers.ca. The provincial government has extended all emergency orders in force under the Emergency Management and Civil Protection Act until June 9th. There continues to be restrictions on social gatherings of more than five people, and people should continue to follow public health guidelines, practice physical distancing, wear a mask when it is a challenge to physical distance, and wash their hands regularly. If you think you have COVID-19 or may have been exposed to the virus, go to an assessment center and get tested. For additional information on COVID-19 and adjusting how you and your employees work on farm, go to gfo.ca slash COVID-19 to access links to on-farm HR advice and public health resources such as the Canadian Agricultural Human Resource Council. Keeping up to date with COVID-19 recommended protocols for your farm business is challenging. The Canadian Agricultural Human Resource Council has created a dedicated webpage with the latest information, recommendations, employee management tips, tools, and links to authorities. This information will help you limit the impact and spread of COVID-19 within your business. And now, here's my conversation with Marty Vermeer. This week on the Grain Talk podcast, we have Marty Vermeer, who is Grain Farmers of Ontario's senior agronomist. Welcome back to the podcast, Marty. Hi, Rachel. Glad to be here. The first thing that we want to talk about is how the planting season is going. Obviously, we're right in the thick of it. There's been some progress in the, in the province, but of course, as usual, it's, it's pretty variable. So let's focus in on each of the crops individually. Um, and you want to first talk about corn and what the situation is with that crop. Yeah, we started out in April actually pretty good. There's a lot of corn acres that got planted in April and we got into the early part of May and we probably ended up uh, the first week of May about 90% planted on corn in pretty good shape. But unfortunately, cold uh, weather conditions came in and uh, really stalled out the crops. So uh, the corn had sat for a long time. There were some early April planted fields that you know were sitting on the ground about five weeks before it actually emerged. And even the, some of the 
early May planted corn that was sitting in the ground uh, received two to three inches of rain in, in the southern part of the province and kind of the compacted soils, the, the rain kind of pushed the air out of the, uh, the soil, really compacted it and made it a struggle for the corn to come out. So, so currently we're in a situation where um, all the corn, most of the corn's all planted. There's still a few fields uh, to be planted and they've got nice warm soil temperatures and that corn will be jumping out of the ground. But unfortunately there is a good chunk of the crop in the southwestern Ontario that is struggling to come out. Uh, there are growers that are uh, looking at a replant situation. There's a lot of growers over the weekend that were actually going in to the field and trying to crack that crust by either uh, bringing in a planter and just just cr uh, cracking the soil on top or bringing in a, a grain drill and going crisscross across the field or RTS units or even rotary hose. Um, some of the ground was so hard that even rotary hose couldn't penetrate. So trying to break that crust off just to help that corn pop out of the ground. Uh, but we are going to be seeing uh, reduced stands on a lot of the corn crop, um, even further to the east where they've had, you know, more ideal soil conditions, but it had been cool. Uh, they're looking at some plant stand losses as well. Not all fields, just a few fields here and there where they had some trouble, but uh, the crop in the east looks a little bit better, um, but the south will need uh, need some work to, to get going and get established. One thing that should be mentioned too is as growers are evaluating their stands, they should be considering the management practices they need to change throughout the year because of these lower stands. So adjust your uh, yield expectation and adjust your fertility requirements and other inputs that you're going to be putting into your crop just to manage it. Uh, there are some tools online that can be utilized to help you uh, understand if you, uh, you need to make some changes on your population, either replanting or leave your stand. Uh, the hard thing always is that you've got pockets in your field that have low populations. What do you do with them? And um, if you have averages and it's just a few seeds missing here and there and you've got a final stand of 25 or 20, 28, you're in really good shape, especially when you planted early, you got good establishment, you're going to have really good yield potential. But when you start looking at 18,000 and and below that, it gets really questionable, especially when you probably find spots in the field that are 10,000 to 20,000. It's, it's what do you do? Uh, and it can be a hard call. It's a call a friend, call, call your agronomist in and, and have a look and, and walk the field. Sometimes when you're thinking that uh, uh, I'm not going to get much out of this crop, you'll be surprised that, you know, you can still get uh, pull 80, 80 percent or 75 percent of your yield out of that. And using those tools online that you can go to uh, GoCorn. Dot net, uh, and you can find the calculator there, the replant tool, decision maker tool. Um, it can really help you put numbers um, to the things that you're finding out in your field and really help you make that decision whether you should replant or not. One of the other um, issues for corn farmers is uh, the issue of resistance management for corn pests. And there's some new tools available and new recommendations. Can you talk a bit about that for us? Corn farmers are, should always be scouting their fields for insects. Uh, there are a lot of great technologies available now that's available in the seed that helps protect uh, corn from a lot of insect pests, uh, European corn borer. Um, but farmers should always be scouting because resistance is going to occur. So there are some tools that have been updated now that farmers can uh, understand more about how to manage resistance and how to scout for it. Um, so if they, they go to the Manage Resistance Now .ca website, uh, they'll be able to uh, pull out the information that they require. How about soybeans? What have you seen and heard in regards to the planting progress? Yeah, farmers were, were focused this spring on corn, getting the corn on the ground. Uh, some had put some soybeans in at the same time as the soil conditions were fit, but, but soils were cooler, so farmers were holding off a little bit more, and the wet weather came in, so um, soybean planting didn't have the same kind of start or fervor uh, to planting as corn did. Um, so we're probably looking now at some areas where drier conditions, farmers are just wrapping up on soybean planting, but other areas are just starting up. So 
you know, across the province this week, a lot of beans went in the ground, uh, but we're probably still only looking at maybe 50% uh, planted with, with most areas reporting anywhere from 90 to 20% planted uh, ge geographically across the province. And some of those beans, Rachel, um, the earlier planted uh, reports are they're popping out. So doesn't seem to be at this time any major impact, but that's also because not a lot of acres were planted earlier on and, and went through the same stress conditions as the corn crop did. And also to note, um, with the heat unit accumulation that occurred, uh, that's probably one of the critical factors too about this crop emerging. And, and corns, as I mentioned, took a long time to come out of the ground. And if you take a look across the province, um, on an eight-year average, right now we're running about 100 heat units behind our average. So uh, the whole crop, whether mm -hmm. it's corn, soybeans, or wheat, is delayed compared to a, an average for over the past eight years. I mean, last year was, an, was uh, quite the example. We didn't plant until June. Uh, that was an exception to, to any rule. Um, but this year, we, we thought we got started off really early and we'd see a real advanced crop. But uh, with that cool weather, the record lows that we had the first part of May, we are seeing a reduction in corn heat units. That said, everything averages out. And I really do think that uh, over the course of the year, like this past week, we've seen record high temperatures. Things will even out. And if you take a look at some models online for the heat unit accumulations we've occurred, you'll see we flatlined at the beginning of May where there's no heat unit accumulation, where typically it's a nice gradual uh, steady increase um, in CHU accumulation, uh, but we've seen a rapid take uh, this past week. So I, I assume through June, we'll start accumulating more and we'll probably be back to normal pretty quick. How has that impacted the winter wheat crop with the variable growing conditions? And it wasn't, you know, the best winter for, for the crop either. Yeah, we actually, we started out better than last year. Last year, we had a super wet spring and lost a lot of wheat acres, about 300,000 acres. Uh, this year, you know, the wheat Wheat was planted, some fields were planted early, some were planted later. The, the early crop, crop looks really good, came out of the ground uh, fabulous, came out of the winter really well. Some of the late planted wheat struggled a little bit in the springtime with uh, some wetter, wetter conditions that occurred in southwestern Ontario. And uh, if you go in that Essex-Kent-Lampton area, there were some fields lost. Crop insurance had some uh, a, a fair bit of uh, field calls and there were some fields lost. But uh, for the most part, the winter wheat crop is, it looks really good across the province. Uh, just lost a few acres, not, as, not anything compared to 2019 spring. Um, but the crop itself, because of the cool weather, it was taking a long time and, and farmers deciding when to put uh, their nitrogen on and when to get out there for fungicide applications has, has been been tricky because the fields have been wet and you don't want to rut them up. But uh, uh, some farmers had missed some herbicide application because of timing. Um, but now all of a sudden the heat, we're getting a rapid growth in this winter wheat crop. And what we're seeing is we basically went from uh, the start of stem elongation and now we're in the boot stage really quick. So flag leaves just came out this past week here in southwestern Ontario. It's in the boot stage. But one thing growers should note is once we're hitting that boot stage, if we continue to get the, the amount of heat that we've had this past week, uh, that head's going to be popping through relatively quickly. So they need to keep an eye on it. It's not, it's not the uh, middle of May anymore. We're, uh, we're, it's almost June. And this is the typical time when uh, the heads are emerging and we're catching up uh, on this crop. So um, our T3 application of uh, fungicide application for the physarium control uh, will be coming up shortly, probably within the next week in the southwest. Uh, Essex maybe just, you know, the heads are probably cracking through. So the growers in Essex will probably be looking at it for sure next week. Um, and then well, as you move across the province, uh, growers will be scouting fields and, and applying that fungicide application to control fusarium. And also they should be uh, taking a look uh, at what their fusarium risk is. Some growers automatically spray, but a lot are still monitoring uh, what the risk levels are. And uh, with hot, humid, with warm, humid weather coming in, uh, the forecast on my models that I've pulled up this morning had shown that uh, heading next week on the crop here in this local area, with the weather forecast coming in, 
looks to be a, a severe risk to fusarium phys damage uh, for Dawn. So if they go to the Dawn Cast tool that's available online for weather innovation, they, they'll be able to uh, judge their own fields and local conditions and, and make that call uh, on timing. So obviously harvest is from, of winter wheat is, you know, a ways off, but going forward uh, and from now until then, what would you say would be the ideal scenario to really take advantage of the, the growth and the good position that we're in in a lot of areas with the wheat crop? Yeah, I think protecting the wheat uh, that's that's currently there. Um, so in a lot of areas of the province, uh, the flag leaves are probably just emerging and growers will want to assess their stands to make sure that there's no disease moving up their canopy. And if a T2 fungicide application is required to uh, maintain the health of their plant, uh, because it looks like a good winter wheat crop, uh, maximize their yields. A lot of nitrogen has uh, gone on at the right time for a lot of growers. So um, they, they're setting themselves up for a really good crop and just managing that all the way through. So making sure at, at heading time, um, you're monitoring, say, the dawn cast weather tool to make sure you, you apply your fungicide application to protect from fusarium. That's certainly something we don't want to see growers have, um, have a, a great winter wheat crop. And uh, the fusarium was so heavy this year uh, because they missed that, that application window, which is so critical right at pollination. Um, too late or too early, you're not going to get the control to control fusarium. So just applying at the right time to keep fusarium. You're not going to eliminate completely, but if you can reduce that fusarium risk, um, you know, instead of getting five parts per million, you cut that in half and you're only going to get one or two. That is all the difference from marketing a really good clean crop to having feed weed and, and having huge discounts at the elevator. So I want farmers to have the best cleanest crop they can get and, and maximize their yield at the same time too to have the best profitability possible. What about the spring cereals? Yes, um, actually we had a really good spring for the spring cereals, got in early compared to last year. Um, good amount of oats and barley um, ha has been planted. So probably, I don't know if it's record amounts, but a lot more than the last few years. So a lot of spring grains have uh, been, been seeded uh, across uh, Western and, and Eastern and Northern Ontario. Um, so it looks like it to be a, a, a good spring cereal crop coming coming forward. Now, Grain Farmers of Ontario is always trying to keep farmer members up to date on the latest agronomic information. And you've been working in conjunction with the research department to make sure that some of the latest information is released. Um, a new way to do that now is with an agronomy alert and an agronomy watch. Can you explain to us what those documents are and, and why they're important? Sure. What we've uh, tried to do is, you know, we looked at the research work that we've done and trying to find out, okay, growers can really use this information. How do we best get it out? So uh, we've, we've decided that there are some topics that are um, really important to growers because there's issues in the field that are in our province right now. And that's what we call an alert. So an agronomy alert, and one example is the one that we just finished this spring was is water hemp. So there's an agronomy alert out on water hemp. Um, and what we're trying to illustrate to growers is that uh, water hemp is a concern in the province. Um, the research team, um, the weeds team here in Ontario has been working diligently trying to find the best solutions, but also identifying, you know, what different resistance modes are out there and what's the best control. So we really put a two-pager, try to make it as uh, streamlined as possible, easy to read, easy to understand and to interpret. So we're identifying what the problem is um, so the growers can identify the weeds. So in this instance with water hemp, it's very similar to pigweed. So what does it look like at the early stages and later stages and can farmers identify it in their field? And then also talk through some of the, uh, the solutions, um, some of the tools that they can use to, to help reduce uh, this alert and manage it in their fields. 
Uh, and the nice thing with water hemp, we've also tied in a few other um, options that are available this year. If farmers do suspect that they have uh, resistance in their field, uh, they can work with some OMAFRA staff to actually get some testing done. So all that information is available in, in the alert, and we're trying to bring that information to growers. So it's a great source of information. On the other point, we also have the watch. Uh, we haven't produced one yet, but we will over the course of this summer. Uh, there are certain diseases, for instance, that we should be watching for. They're not currently here in the province, uh, but Albert Tenuta has been talking about something like tar spot and corn. So we want to make sure that we bring that information to growers. Uh, what's the impact to them? Uh, what's the concern? How do you identify it? And they should be watching for it. So that's kind of the difference between alerts and watches. Uh, alerts, they probably need to take action on. And watches, is like keep your eye on it. And uh, uh, we need to make sure that we're managing managing these issues before they become real big problems for us here in the, in the province. So if anybody wants to find the agronomy alert or an agronomy watch when they are issued, they can look for those under the agronomy resources section, uh, which can be found under the agronomy tab at gfo.ca. So again, go to gfo.ca and look for the agronomy resources. Um, another thing, Marty, that uh, we've been uh, updating lately is the um, for our certification program and, and how farmers can be involved in, in that program. What's the latest on for our? Yes, actually, this past year, there has been a lot of retailers that uh, have become certified. It's not an easy process. Uh, I don't know if many growers are aware of the difficulties or, or all the changes that a retailer has to go through in order to get certified, but it does take a little time to get certified. You have to go through uh, a pre-audit and then actually get audited and then get your certification. So it's about a two-year process, and if you've got a lot of changes to make at your retail location, uh, there's a lot more record-keeping, a lot more expectations to make sure that um, you're, you're for our certified. Um, and some of the things that retailers have to do is they can't spread if there's a heavy rainfall coming. All good management practices that all people should be doing, but now you got to record everything and keep track of it. So a lot of people say, ah, oh, that's just all a lot of, lot more paperwork and should be easy to do, but it's, it's not. It's, you got to change your systems and how you're recording things. So, uh, it's really good to see that we've got 16 retailers now that are certified here in the province of Ontario. We've also got 31 pre-audits um, that are scheduled, and typically at least half of those uh, pre-audits will become certified you know, within the next year. So it's really good to see the uptake of the 4R certification within the Ontario retailers. Um, but also it's good for farmers to know what's involved and what they can help with it because they're, whole, they're part of it. They're part of the 4R uh, package. It's, it's not just about certification. It's also about practicing 4R and, and having Ontario farmers, you know, do their soil testing every four years, making sure that they're applying the fertilizers that they get, because retailers don't apply all the fertilizer. A lot of uh, farmers are applying it themselves as well, and they're following the 4R principles um, of the right product at the right place at the right time. The right application methods is, is so important for all of us here in the province of Ontario. Now, you just gave us what the 4Rs are, but I know... A lot of farmers are familiar with 4R, but can you give us a bit more of an explanation about what the 4Rs are and, and you know, why we've sort of started into this um, certification program and, you know, what value it has? Yeah, and it is the retailers that are certified, but it's, it's a good question, Rachel, because probably a lot of times farmers don't know. If, if somebody comes off the street and says, Mr. Farmer, are you practicing 4R? A lot of times farmers won't know what that is or what do you mean for our, I'm not certified, I'm not this or that. But in fact, there was a study done last year, a fertilizer study, and they analyzed the practices that farmers do. And actually over 60% are already doing 4R, but only 20% actually said they were doing 4R. But their practices indicated 
that more than the majority of farmers are practicing it. They just don't know it's called 4R. So I think that's something, you know, in the next year, we need to do a lot more educational learning of what is 4R because it's a, it's a simple method to communicate a big message, uh, which is that we are doing things right in the province of Ontario as far as fertilizer application and making sure that our phosphorus and our nitrogen is applied at the right place, the right time, at, at the right application method. So farmers are doing it. And, and I see a lot of farmers that are practicing this method um, and actually doing a really good stewardship of nutrients in the province. And we just need to make sure that the general public is aware of it. So uh, we're hoping that all farmers in the future can say, yep, I'm doing the four-hour principles. It just makes life a lot easier for everybody in communications. And if farmers do want more information on 4R, how do they go about getting it? One other part I should mention is that farmers, if they want to learn more and they want to understand um, how can I do this better, or am I doing it, um, there is actually a course. And um, it's an e-learning course. You can go online and it's at uh, elearning.fertilizercanada.ca. And there's a couple of different courses on there, but there is now the Ontario 4R course that's available. If you're a certified crop advisor, in order to get credits for your certified crop advisor, you can actually uh, pay a little bit of money just to get the paperwork done. But it's free for farmers. So farmers can go on, take the course, understand for our principles. And um, I, I hope that uh, a lot of farmers in the province uh, have the opportunity to do that. So that's elearning.fertilizercanada.ca. Now, Marty, you've been providing updates on a weekly basis that are available in the Grain Talk e-news that comes out every Friday. And they're posted at ontariograinfarmer.ca, which is our magazine website. Um, what else should farmers be doing if um, you know they are interested in, in more regular updates in terms of what's happening across the province? Yeah, if they can go on to uh, our website and uh, take take a look, there's always lots of links that are uh, on our updates, our weekly updates. Um, so that can take them to a lot more information that's going on. Field Crop News also gives uh, great updates, and there's uh, articles that are usually published throughout the growing season that links are provided through there. So those are great opportunities for growers to uh, to learn more and to understand what current conditions and what's happening across the province. And you're always interested in hearing from our farmer members if they have some thoughts on what's a concern for them. Yeah, especially as we're working on the agronomy alerts and watch, if there's topics that growers want to know more about or they've been kind of saying, hey, I, I really haven't heard much about this topic and I got a problem in my field. It's like, Give us a show to Grain Farmers of Ontario or send me an email or uh, phone me um, and just give me give me a, a quick uh, snapshot of what you're looking for, what kind of information you would benefit as a member. Um, Grain Farmers of Ontario is always looking uh, how we can service our members better. So if there are topics um, that we can find um, more resources to to help our members, um, it'd be greatly appreciated if we can get that feedback from our from our members. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us on the Grain Talk podcast today, Marty. Thank you, Rachel. Joining me on the podcast today, I have our CEO, Crosby Devitt. How are you doing, Crosby? I'm doing well, Megan. Great. There's lots to talk about now uh, with COVID-19 going on uh, still. <laughs> so yes. one of the most common types of announcements that we've been hearing throughout the COVID-19 pandemic has been event cancellations. So first we had to cancel our March Classic and our semi-annual, and now so many local fairs have been canceled along with bigger shows like the CNE, Canada's Outdoor Farm Show, and the International Plowing Match. Yes. So not only are we losing opportunities for our Green Discovery Zone, 
um, but we are also missing out on opportunities to connect with our farmer members face to face. So how do you think we can keep engaging with our farmer members in the coming months? Yeah, thanks, Megan. That's a, it's an interesting one. I, I suppose, um, you know, it, while it, it's disappointing that we're, you know, some of these events are, are being lost, it's not surprising and it's the right thing to do. Uh, so first of all, I, I suppose that's, that's the reality we're in today. Um, you know, we did lose our chance to, to meet with many, you know, several hundred farmers in, in March, and it looks like we won't be able to do that through, uh, through the summertime. And uh, normally we would have our AGM in conjunction with the outdoor farm, so farm show in September. And so right now we're just looking at our options there, but uh, given that they've canceled those, uh, those shows, it, it doesn't look like it's the right thing to do to get people together, but we're still, uh, still working through that. What we're seeing, though, is uh, new ways of getting people connected emerging. And so, you know, a lot of people on the computer have been on Zoom calls and and video conferencing, but there's also, uh, we're aware of some groups doing kind of virtual meetings or farm shows or things like that. And so we're, we're looking into that. It, it will never replace the face-to-face -face, um, meeting and that ability to interact. But, uh, you know, given the circumstances, we got to do uh, look at what, what can replace it as best as possible till we can get back together. But uh, yeah, I guess the, the other thing related to that um, is that, you know, when you look at farmers uh, today, and the technology they're using on their farms. Uh, there's a lot of advanced technology and connectedness. Um, so, you know, as long as there's good internet, which is not something we can assume in every part of the province, of course, but um, the ability to connect um, is typically there. And so um, we're hoping that we can find something that works and, and keep the level of engagement going. That's great. So just uh, relying more on uh, digital avenues more than we used to, I guess, adjusting to that. It's definitely, definitely. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that's the thing. And, and of course, you know, we still uh, continue to publish our Ontario Grain Farmer magazine that's going out every month to farmers. And uh, actually this past uh, month, we did something new where we did a digital re early release of the, of the June issue. Is uh, a bit of a head start, and so that seems to have gone over well too. But the the paper copy is uh, is going out just on our regular schedule throughout the the next few months as well. That's awesome. And so continuing with some farmer member engagement, so we're currently running a campaign that calls for farmer members to uh, asks them to connect with their local government officials. So we've talked about uh, the TV and radio ad on the podcast, uh, which has gotten quite a mm -hmm. bit of attention. But there is much more to the campaign than that. So can you tell us what the end goal of this campaign is or how we're measuring success of the campaign? For those that have seen the campaign, it, um, it's certainly a different, uh, a different approach than what you might have seen from, from GFO in the past or other farm organizations. And, uh, you know, the goal there, and it's absolutely needed, is that the, the federal government um, recognizes the issues that are being faced by grain farmers and take steps to address them. Um, we did a, a comprehensive survey of farmers across Ontario, uh, grain farmers specifically, and uh, heard there's some really serious economic conditions going on here and big uncertainty going into this crop that's just, just been put in the ground here. And so um, 
you know, every acre of corn, for example, is uh, current prices facing uh, pretty significant losses. And so, um, you know, we talk about our food supply chain and uh, if it's functioning properly, well, there's different ways to look at it. And one of them, um, the health of a, of a supply chain is that everybody in the, in the chain um, is fairly compensated for the contribution they make. And, and unfortunately, right now, the farmer, uh, the grain farmer, is not in not getting the returns that are needed um, to be considered functional and so um, the ultimate uh, outcome that uh, grain farmers need to see is a backstop program um, from the federal government so that uh, should prices remain low um, they can they have the confidence that there'll be a backstop there to um, you know ensure that they're able to continue their business um, and if prices recover, then there's no need for that support and there would be no uh, requirement or request for that. Um, but uh, that's the important part uh, that we need to have in place now um, so farmers have that confidence as they go through the growing season. All right. Well, hopefully we'll see some action on that from the, at the federal level soon. Yep, definitely. I think, uh, you know, throughout this campaign, um, there's the public side, uh, but there's ongoing meetings and discussions with both our provincial and our federal government uh, officials, uh, both elected and staff. And uh, certainly from a, a GFO side, there's been, you know, good comprehensive data and, and case made that's uh, based on, you know, uh, pretty objective, <laughs> you know, factual data. Um, and uh, so it's, it's ready. And all the government has to do is, is, uh, is basically uh, commit to commit to their part in this. All right. Well, hopefully we'll see action on that soon. And uh, continuing mm -hmm. with kind of looking ahead. So May 31st marks the end of our fiscal year. So the organization's been hard yes. at work planning for the 2020-2021 year. It's hard to say with all those 20s. Um, so yes. how are how are the plans looking and how has it been different looking ahead and planning given the uncertain time period we're in right now? Yeah, so I mean, we're in a different, uh, we're in a different environment as we talked about, but uh, you know, business carries on, and so as an organization, we kind of use our June one as the start of our next fiscal year. Um, so leading up to June one, um, you know, from the staff side and with board direction, we do a lot of planning for the the next twelve months, and so that's across all or all parts of the organization, and so we've got a. A comprehensive plan and a and a budget for the coming year. Um, certainly, there's been some changes made. So we mentioned earlier about some of the events that aren't happening. So normally we would be out to a lot of uh, public events where there's thousands of people. Well, that's um, that's not happening to the same degree this year. So we're uh, we've looked at some different options. So um, you know some things like uh, other you know television or social media type. Uh, type work so things like the fields to forks uh television uh programming trying looking at ramping some of those things up um for example um we also have a pretty big presence in the education system so uh teachers kits where you know they they can help their class grow a soybean plant and learn about farming along the way well that um that is still continuing. It just may not be in the classroom the same way. Um, but we're also preparing for the fact that, you know, over the next 12 months, um, it's 
highly likely and uh, and hopeful that students will be in the next in the classroom. <laughs> you know, it may not be in the next couple months, but uh, come fall, hopefully they are. And so some of those programs will definitely continue. Um, the other thing that we've you know seen, I guess, as a result of COVID, but also a continuing trend is the whole local food side uh, trend and awareness of where their food comes from. And I think, you know, it's the first time in most of our lives that we would have gone to a grocery store and not been able to buy anything we want that's on the shelves. Uh, we've seen, you know, cases where flour is not available on the shelf. And one of the things that does is make people think about where does that food come from? And so there's been a real resurgence in locally uh, sourced things. And uh, that, you know, as we emerge from the crisis, that it'll be um, something that we're going to build on. And we've been, so we've got some programs there and some um, development of, you know, how do customers better identify whether it's got local Ontario grains in their products that they're buying. And so we've got uh, in development right now, a kind of a labeling project um, where we'll be working with some, some key companies right now um, to test it out and then uh, hopefully expand that out over the next 12 months. So that's pretty exciting to see that, um, you know, try to look for the positives in some of these things, uh, even though we're all we're all hurting as a society um, right now. Um, as we emerge, hopefully we'll come out stronger. That's right. Well, it sounds like lots of exciting things to look forward to, some different things, some changes to things, but um, maybe they'll be even better than what we used to do. So uh, that's very exciting. So uh, with that, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Crosby, and give us all an update about what's going on. Thanks so much, Megan. It's great talking to you. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Marty Vermey and Crosby Debit. If you like what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.